Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. Well, good morning. Uh, Hi. (laughs) My name is Stan, and I'm a pastoral intern here at Harvest Community. Um, Pastor Dave and Pastor Frank are out speaking at retreat, so so today you guys uh, get me. (laughs) So anyways, uh, (laughs) thank you. Thank you for the encouragement. Um, Anyways, uh, before we get started, uh, the lights are on. Uh, for this charcoal Highlander, and uh, the license plate is K nine seven seven six seven nine. So this is a charcoal Highlander. The lights are on K nine seven seven six seven nine. So just you know, maybe someone at Seeds, not sure. But anyways, uh, before we get into the passage and sharing, um, I actually just got back from a trip from from Kenya, and um, you know, Pastor Dave wanted me to just to share a little bit about how that trip went. And this, this trip was really uh, in partnership with our sister church, Emmanuel Community, to see what opportunities we might have in Kenya. And so the pastor at Emmanuel Community is Pastor Dave's younger brother, uh, Pastor Steve. And he was a medical missionary doctor uh, at a hospital in Kenya. So just really quickly, I wanted just to share just a little bit from that trip. Um, yeah, hopefully, maybe next... Next slide. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, so um, where we went to is we, we landed in Nairobi, and this was um, last Sunday, Monday. Yeah, sorry, I'm a little jet-lagged. So inside joke from, from CORE. Um, anyways, uh, so the, we landed in Nairobi, and uh, we just spent a day there, but we really spent most of our time, this is a nine-day trip, up in an area called Capswar. And you can see it there on uh, Google Maps the, with the little dot. And so Capswar, is, it's, it's pretty rural. And so to get there, uh, we had to drive through these two-lane highways. And um, next, next slide. And uh, you can see here is a picture of, of Dr. Steve driving. And it's interesting because uh, it was an old British colony. And so everyone drives on uh, the left-hand side of the road. And these are two-lane highways. It was kind of precarious at times, but, you know, we survived, we made it, made it back to the States. But this is, this is just a small part of the road, and, and Dr. Steve was saying, even just 10 years ago, all the way from certain parts, this is all dirt road, but uh, today, Kenya is developing, and that's one of the really interesting things is that, actually, China is pouring a lot of money into Kenya and, and developing roads and everything else, and so there's, there's this dynamic there that, um, that China is involved in a lot of what's happening in Kenya. Um, but anyways, we, we had to drive there, and then we ended up here in Capswar. And this, uh, this is a picture of, a, of the backyard of one of the mission houses that we stayed at for, for short-term missionaries. And you can see here is this beautiful, picturesque. Uh, but don't let that fool you, because there's very poisonous snakes <laughs> back there. <laughs> one of the team members I went with from ICC, he was uh, very scared at night. Uh, but anyways, this, uh, this is a beautiful country, uh, but also very rural. And so uh, that first night, we spent some time with the medical missionaries that were there. Um, the next slide. And um, here it's a little bit cut off. I'm not sure why, but uh, kind of in the center of the older couple, 
their names are Bill and Laura Rhodes. And uh, they've been actually on the field in Capsuar for almost 20 years. As uh, He's a surgeon there. And it's just, just uh, really amazing to hear their story and uh, their work in Capsuar. And, uh, and amazingly, he's not only a surgeon, but he knows how to read Hebrew and he was giving devotions. And, and even uh, Dr. Steve himself was saying that he loves to learn from this guy. And if any of you know Dr. Steve, Dr. Steve is a very smart guy, so you can tell what uh, type of guy Bill, Bill Rhodes is. And so we, we kind of sent there uh, the first evening having dinner with them. And as we were just kind of just getting to know the place and everything, it was very interesting because the hospital there is a mission hospital. And, uh, you know, they serve the, the people, the Kenyans that are there, and all the doctors there on staff, uh, most of them uh, that were, are missionaries, so they have their own support, but there are some Kenyan doctors there. And as we were sharing, interesting enough, one of the, the medical missionaries there was saying that they were trying to implement uh, an EMR. And so those of you that know what EMR is, it's Electronic Medical Records System. So they were trying to introduce this whole IT system in. And then as we were going around sharing, they were like, oh, you know, asking me, what do I do? And I'm like, I work in IT. <laughs> so, so, and I work for Walgreens and stuff like that. And so the, and the other guy, um, the team member, his name's Haman, actually works for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And he's, uh, you know, a uh, program manager there. And so it was just very interesting how God kind of orchestrated that. And so the, the doctor that we were talking, one of the doctors, super excited. So the next day, uh, if you go to the next slide, we had a nice four-hour meeting <laughs> to talk about their, their EMR implementation, and there was a lot of issues with it. And, and so as you sometimes picture missions, you don't picture being in a boardroom uh, with a whiteboard talking about different bugs for an, uh, a system. But this is kind of part of the vision that we have for maybe some short-term teams in the future, and we're still kind of talking through that. But for a lot of people, of us, we, we work full-time. Right, and we have different skills and different things, and so, and we've been talking about that through Thrive at Work. But here, there's a there's this nice way of of these two worlds kind of coming together, where this missions hospital they need people. They they already have doctors, right? They have doctors that are missionaries that have their own support, but they actually need uh, the surrounding kind of uh, support of administration, like finances, IT, uh, other things. And so. This is a way that we could partner with them, a potential way, an opportunity that we could partner with them. And you can enjoy these uh, long four-hour meetings in their, in their boardroom. But anyways, uh, one other part of the trip is uh, this, uh, where uh, Emmanuel Community has started this kind of program where they want to support uh, some of the kids that are there that really don't have as much. And so some of these kids, really, their, their stories are actually, it's very kind of sad. So... Uh, and, and Canada, even though it's being developed, there's, there's not a lot of support systems in place. So some of these kids, they've lost parents. Uh, they're deaf. Uh, they, some of them, you know, their parents are blind, so they aren't able to support themselves and the family. And a lot of times what happens is it's, it's a village kind of community where other neighbors and things will kind of come in and, and help take care of it, but it's just not very sustainable. So uh, Dr. Steve thought of a way that instead of just sending money to these families and things like that where sometimes money can be used for many different things, uh, he thought of an idea of sending them sheep. And uh, one of those sheep, as you can see here, the kids there, you know, Dr. Steve is on the, um, you know, I think your you're left-hand side. Uh, these sheep are actually only $24, U.S. dollars. So uh, they had their Sunday school, their, their seeds program, raise money to buy, I think it was like 13 or 20 different sheep. 
And they give the sheep to these families, these kids, and then they raise them. And as animals are wont to do, if you have two or more, they multiply. And so then you can actually like, grow these sheep. And, and they, in, these, in these rural areas, you don't have to do much. There's plenty of vegetation. They, um, you know, they graze and everything else. And so as these sheep multiply and grow, these, these families can sell the sheep or use them for meat. And it's very sustainable. And so this is another way that we could possibly partner uh, with the work that is going on in Capsuar and even in our seeds program, uh, do something similar, fundraising for these kids. So um, the next, next slide, see if there's anything. Okay, so that, that's it. <laughs> All right, so um, let us now turn to the passage I wanted to share with us today. This is from Matthew. Oops. It's Matthew 6, verses 5 through 13. This is Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And um, I'll, I'll read that for us, and then after it, I'll, I'll pray for our time together. So again, this is Matthew 6, 5 through 13. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Then, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray. Father, I just... uh, ask that you would be with us at this time. Um, God, we, as we study your word, and especially as we study uh, the prayer that you taught us, uh, that Jesus, that you taught your disciples, just pray, Lord, that you would really speak to us, help us, as even as we uh, learn how to pray, that you would give us a sense of, of what you would have us to do. So, Lord, just pray that your presence would be here Fill this place. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so um, just wanted to share a little bit of why I wanted to share this with you. And uh, we kind of went a little bit ahead here. Okay, let's see. Okay, so um, really this, there's just been this kind of, kind of internal journey that I've been going through. And I've kind of shared this a little bit last time um, I spoke with you guys. Uh, this was maybe a couple months ago. And... Um, there's been this growing sense uh, in me that in my daily walk with Jesus, as I try to follow him, I just feel like I've been always coming short. I've just not been able to do enough. And uh, this is a sense of that, just, um, you know, I've been trying to you know, make changes at work, uh, make changes here uh, with, with ministry and core, um, and even just my own personal walk, just trying to make changes in my life. And that... I just feel really powerless that to make any real lasting 
changes. You know, and, and don't get me wrong, there have been days where things are better, that you know, there's, there's glimmers of hope, uh, things get a little bit nicer. But you know, then uh, those days are few and far between, it seems like. And it's just, over and over, it's just sometimes I come home and I'm just exhausted uh, for what happened that day. And, um, and so this, this really has caused me to pause and think, you know, what can I do? What can I do as I'm trying to live this life for Christ? What can I do in this state of where I'm just feeling like, you know, as you get older, it's just things seem like they just don't change as much, um, you know, and, and, uh, and just in our lives and in our own personal walks. And so, you know, I was asking God, what do you want me to do? And I think the answer that God kind of gave me was this renewed sense of a conviction to pray. Just say it's this renewed sense that, you know, there is only so much that we humanly can do, and there's a lot that we can, don't get me wrong, but that true power comes from prayer. And so then as I started to pray, and I, I made this commitment, you know, and, and my wife Faye knows this, that we, we, you know, we try to make these commitments as a family, and so we said, okay, we're going to pray every day. We're going to get up in the morning and pray at least 30 minutes and try to do that every day. And that lasted, you know, two days. So, as as a lot of us know, like you know, you try to do something, try to make a change, it just doesn't doesn't last very long. And you know, and I realized, you know what, I'm I'm a night person, anyways. So, you know, I'm going to try to do this as a part of a night routine, right? Before I go to bed, I I'll, I'll try to pray each night. And so, as I was trying to do that, and um, and it was a little bit more consistent than the mornings, uh, to be honest. But as I was trying to do that there was the sense of, as I was praying, and as I was sitting there trying to pray through different things, um, pray through ministries, pray for myself, pray for work, that there was a growing sense that I, I actually didn't really know how to pray. And it was very weird because, you know, I've been walking with Jesus since college, right? And so this is what, you know, I don't know if I want to date myself, but it's been a long, been a long, long time. And um, that what, what was so strange was this growing sense of, wow, I don't, I don't really know how to pray. Like, I can pray through these topics, these things that are on my heart, but really this deep sense of really wanting to really, you know, you get to this place where you really feel God's nearness that I just didn't sense that as I was praying. And none of these prayers seemed to help me face the challenges that I was seeing in my own life. The, the, the challenges, that, that desire for, for being able to have patience with coworkers uh, during the day or, or being able to have, you know, just excitement for doing ministry uh, in the weekends and the evenings. And so even as I was processing this and going through this, um, you know, I listened to podcasts on my way to work, and this one podcast actually came up. Um, and this is uh, the kind of logo for that podcast. It's called Exploring My Strange Bible. And so for any of you that are interested in listening to sermons or, or lectures, this is a, a podcast done by this guy named Tim Mackey. And uh, he is one of the two founders of the Bible Project. And so for those of you that you know, I'm a, a very vocal evangelist for the Bible Project. I really, really love their work. Um, but anyway, so this is Tim Mackey. He, he was, he's a professor uh, before, and now he's just working full-time um, at the Bible Project. And this is just a compilation of all his things. And here he gave, uh, one of the episodes was a sermon about prayer. And what really struck me was he talked about 
for those of us that want to learn how to pray, there's actually a passage in the Bible that talks about that. And I was like, I was like, wow, what, what is that? And then it, he came to and he talked about the Lord's Prayer, which is what we just read uh, this, this morning together. The Lord's Prayer. And that really, I don't know, sat with me. And I really wanted to, each time I pray, to just go through and read the Lord's Prayer, meditate on it, and pray through it, even as I was praying each night. And so this morning, I just wanted to share with you some of the insights that you know, God really kind of gave me as I was praying through the Lord's Prayer, um, and also kind of studying it more for this morning. But this, these insights, and these insights have been just really helpful for me, even as I try to learn how to pray. And I'm hopefully, for a lot of us here, I don't know where all of us are at this morning, but maybe some of us are also trying to learn how to pray too. And so really there's this, uh, you know, four insights that I wanted to share with you. And it really just comes from uh, the first part of the prayer. And unfortunately, um, you know, since we only have 30 to 40 minutes, I, and there's a lot, of, lot here. So I just wanted to focus on that first, first part of the prayer. And, um, sorry, just, that's the next slide. This part, in verse 9, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And it's just from here, I, there are four insights that I found really helpful in my own prayer life. So the first insight is how the prayer begins. And so the prayer begins with just really simply two words. Our Father. Our Father. And so one of the things I've noticed, even as I was learning to pray, is that usually when I start with is like, I'm starting with my situation. You know, something's going on at work, something is going on that's really bothering my heart. Yeah, maybe I've, I've sinned before the Lord, or I've just been really distant. And so I start with where I'm at and the problems that I'm, I'm going through. You know, I'm asking God, please help me with this, or God, please change that. But what's really interesting here is that the prayer actually starts not with ourselves, but with God, our Father. Right? And I think... You know, it's important to realize that this is intentional. That Jesus wants to tell his followers that it's important to focus on God first in our prayers rather than just ourselves. And here, you know, there's a book by Tim Keller that I think he just really kind of teases out even more. And I'm going to read that uh, for us. This this was really helpful for me as I was reading this book. He says this. He says, consider how different this is from the normal way we use prayer. In our natural state, we pray to God to get things. We may believe in God, but our deepest hopes and happiness resides in things as in how successful we are or in our social relationships. We therefore pray mainly when our career or finances are in trouble or when some relationship or social status is in jeopardy. When life is going smoothly and our truest heart's treasures seem safe, it does not occur to us to pray. Also, ordinarily our prayers are not varied. They consist usually of petitions, occasionally some confession, if we have just done something wrong. Seldom or never do we spend sustained time adoring and praising God. In short, we have no positive inner desire to pray. We do it only when circumstances force us. Why? We know God is there, but we tend to see him as a means through which we get things to make us happy. 
For most of us, he has not become our happiness. We therefore pray to procure things, not to know him better. And so I, I read that, and it, for me, this really kind of struck home. I don't know about you, but, but and, I, and I get it. And I, I don't want to uh, say that you don't ever go to God because you need something, right? That's, that would be uh, crazy. But, but the, the idea is that, you know, it, what, is, what is God to us? What is our Father to us? Is he just there to get things? Right? And uh, I remember just even as a kid, I remember even in my relationship with my own dad, um, he was, had a PhD in math. And I remember always going to him for my homework. And one time he was trying to teach me um, you know, trigonometry and this hypotenuse. I won't get into that. But, uh, but it was just really interesting because as a kid, I was like, Dad, just, just give me the answer. Right? I don't care about the theory. I don't care that you could figure out like all these really nice things with this a formula. I just, just help me with my homework. Just give me the answer. And I think my dad really, I think, was hurt by that. And he also got angry at me. And so, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but, but I think in, in a way, this is how we can treat God, is that, God, just, just give me this thing I need right now. You know, I, I'm really just in dire need right now. Please, God, just help me. And we never realize that God just really is, is hurt by that actually hurt, and really wants us to, sometimes we could just even just spend some time with him. And so that question is, do we desire God, or do we desire other things? And for me, this question just keeps coming up even as I pray. Even as I was praying for this morning, you know, I was just thinking about, do I really desire that God be known here for everyone here, or do I desire that I don't look stupid in front of you as I'm sharing this and feel like I'm not prepared and make excuses that I'm jet-lagged, right? No, but I think the idea here is that all of us face this question every time we pray. What do we really desire? And if we're honest, sometimes we, we, we really desire what, what we want, right? And I share that because you know, I believe that God can take our shortcomings our weaknesses, and transform us into becoming more like him. I mean, really, that's, that's in a sense, the gospel message, right? And I, and I just really like the songs this morning. Just, just a reminder that, that we can be honest with our weaknesses. We can be honest with our shortcomings because that's what the gospel is about. The, the gospel is about God transforming us into the likeness of his son because of our faith in him. And so when we pray our Father, it is a reminder that we should start with God, right? And ask God to help us, our Father to help us, that our true happiness may be found in him. Uh, and may not might be right away, or it might not happen. It might take even years. But I think God is faithful in changing us to really desire him and him alone to be our happiness. So that's the first insight. So the second insight uh, our Father. <laughs> so I know that I talked about how the prayer begins with our Father, but I wanted to also talk about the words themselves, our Father. What do those words bring to mind? You know, for some of us, they actually might bring some pain. I, I know for some of us that our relationship with our fathers aren't the best. Uh, you know, they might have really been there for us, or they even today 
might be a cause for conflict in our families. And maybe even for even some of us, too, that we might not even have known who our fathers are and who our father is. And there's a sense of emptiness there. And so, I, and, I, and, I, and I don't want to um, cause you guys any pain to talk about this. But I, what I do want to do is point us to think about our Heavenly Father. And again, Tim Keller's book on prayer is really helpful here. And he talks about Martin Luther, uh, a great reformer kind of in the, in the 1500s. And Martin Luther talks about this, what these words, our Father, really is and means. And so here Luther, it, this is in um, Tim Keller's book, Luther, Luther also believed the address was a call to not plunge right into talking to God, but to first recollect our situation and realize our standing in Christ before we proceed into prayer. We ought to say to God, you have taught us to regard you and call upon you as one father of us all. Although you could rightly and properly be a severe judge over us, Therefore, we should start by asking God to implant in our hearts a comforting trust in your fatherly love. And so I think I just wanted to share this quote with you just because it's a, it's a question of when we think about our Heavenly Father, our Father, and we think about him, you know, do we experience or remember any of these encounters with him that really provoke or this idea of fatherly love? You know, do we have some times in our lives where we've encountered God's fatherly love for us? And maybe some of you haven't, and that's okay. I, you know, I, I think God is faithful again, and he will at times show you his fatherly love. And I think even for me, even as I was reflecting on this, I just remembered this time where I was just really disillusioned uh, with ministry. Um, and this this began... Really, uh, at this, I was part of this church early on when I was here in Chicago, and I left that church because I just really disagreed with how the church leadership was handling this change in vision. And um, and this this church was a small church, and it was like family to me. Um, you know, even even now, it's like it, it I, just thinking about that time. It just there's there's still a little bit of pain, and, I, and uh, to be honest, there's still even processing even to this day that I'm working through. But I just remember this time right after leaving that church that I was just really in a place, just dark place. And, um, and I just didn't want, really want to do ministry anymore. Even though I, I got my MDiv at Trinity and all these other things, I, I was working and starting to work at Walgreens. And I, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to you know, work at Walgreens and I'll go to my parents' church and I'm just going to hide there for a while. And I'm just going to you know, go to service and that's it. You know, I'm not going to do anything else. And for the next several years, I, I, I tried you know, to lay low as much as I could. Um, God had other plans, and eventually, you know, I, I you know, became uh, uh, just uh, the full-time English pastor there. But, but really, through, through that process, God really showed me his love for me. I just remember there was this, these this really dark times, and just through even friends from the old church, from you know, uh, just moody radio station, just listening to sermons. And, but just even also specifically even through the people that were part of that English ministry, God healed a lot of that bitterness and brokenness that I experienced when I left that church. And I think it's just, even thinking about it now, there's this, this emotion, the sense of just 
just thankfulness that God loved me so much that he was willing to even go to me when I really didn't want to go to him. You know? And this, this is, this, these thoughts are what God is asking us, these reminders, these memories, what God is asking us to, to think about and to remember when we pray our Father, that he loves us, that our Heavenly Father loves us. And this verse is a verse that I shared with this church that I was at when, um, when I was reflecting back on this. And this, this verse is from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 3-4. through 4, And it reads, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So I just wanted to ask you this morning that as we think about our Heavenly Father, do we remember those times when God has poured out his love for us? And maybe it's not something that's just like this um, like lightning strike from, from heaven in this one moment. It could have been over many over years, which it was for me. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. But just God's, again, faithfulness in speaking to me through different people, through sermons, through radio stations, just continually showing his love day by day uh, is, a, is a reminder, at least for me, that when I pray our Heavenly Father, that God loves me no matter what I'm going through. So that was the second insight. The third insight is from the next phrase, the next two words, in heaven. Our Father in heaven. At first, these words in heaven might remind us that or make us think that when we pray, we're really just kind of praying to God like God's in heaven and we're down here. And then as I'm praying, I'm just like praying upwards, right? This, this, this thought of I'm praying to God up here, right? But I think the Bible actually looks at it another way. And if we look at this from the very beginning, the Bible, God wanted to, to be with humans. God really wanted humans and him to be together in the same place, right? Just think about it, like in the Garden of Eden, right, before the fall, God made humans and they were with him in the garden, right? God's presence was there. And this is, in a sense, heaven and earth overlaps, right? And then later on in Exodus, after they leave Egypt, God tells Moses to build a tabernacle. And this tabernacle literally means a meeting place, this, tent, this place where God and humans can meet, and then the book of Leviticus is all about how that can happen, right? Because God is holy and we're, we're not. And then even later, a permanent place, the temple, right? This temple was a permanent place where God's presence dwelled. And then finally, we have here today, the Holy Spirit that's within us, right? We, in a lot of ways, are God's temple and God's presence is here with us. And so this idea is God's presence is here, and this in heaven really isn't so much about lifting our prayers up to God, but really entering into his presence here as we pray. Right? It's not about heaven far away, but heaven near, because God's Holy Spirit is in us for those who believe. And here N.T. Wright has a quote, and N.T. Wright is this uh, professor of New Testament, at St. Andrews, 
And I found this really helpful. He says this, this idea of God as the one who is present, the God who longs to dwell in the midst of his people, goes right back to Genesis and Exodus. So from the creation onwards, when God is there in the garden with his people, through to the end of Exodus, when Moses builds the tabernacle and the divine glory comes to dwell there, that is it's God's desire to come and dwell with his people. And that is, of course, where the Bible ends with the dwelling of God with humans, when God will be with them in the new Jerusalem. And so when we pray these words, our Father in heaven, it really is about entering into God's presence. You know, and I, I think sometimes it's easy to take that for granted. And um, this is so interesting. This morning as we were praying for the service, uh, you know, Ben Uman was, was praying that. And, and it's, it's so interesting how the Holy Spirit works. He, he literally prayed that prayer that we should not take for granted entering into God's presence. And I didn't have a chance to share with him. I'm like, hey, that's my third point. You know, <laughs> that's amazing. God, you're, God's just amazing in the ways that he works, right? But, but that's, that is something that I, I feel like to encourage and challenge us on, that, that even though that we have the Holy Spirit in us, that we should not take that for granted, that we can enter in his presence wherever we're at if we decide to pray, right? And I think just to give that in context, Back before Christ, in the ancient Israel, right? These priests, again, I mentioned Leviticus. They had to slaughter animals, right? Just for all sorts of things, where they had to be ritually clean to even go into the tabernacle in the temple. There was this whole sacrificial system for that. And then, even then, like every year, the high priest would have to try to go into his holies of holies, and he potentially could die because he entered into God's presence. He had bells. On his, on his uniform, that if he like fell over dead, that they would ring and then they would pull him out. right? And the, this is even the same presence, even the New Testament, where the 12 disciples, as they walked with Jesus, Jesus, the very, very presence of God right, in human form, they walked with him. This is the same presence that we can be in today. And so I just wanted to encourage us that, that entering into God's presence is something special. And that whenever we pray, we have the opportunity to do that. And prayer is not something that just kind of happens, right? Um, and I think for those of us that have tried to pray consistently, it, it's, it's hard. Prayer is, is actually really hard and something that we must work at. But prayer is a part of relationship, spending time together, and, and for those of us that are, are married or, or dating or with somebody, um, even those that are single with friends, like in order to have the relationship grow, you have to be able to spend time together, right? And the same is true of, with our relationship with God, that through prayer, as we enter into his presence, we spend time together and be in his presence and enjoy his presence. And this is what God is calling us to, even as we pray, our Father in heaven. Okay, finally, the last, fourth and last insight. And this comes from the phrase, hallowed be your name, right? Hallowed be your name. And so hallowed isn't a word that we use a lot in today's kind of vernacular, right? And uh, I mean, they're like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, but I don't think that has any relationship to what hallowed means uh, here um, but, but really, I looked up in dictionary.com, and hallowed means to honor as holy. 
right? And so if we, to use dictionary.com's definition, to hallow our Father's name is to honor it as holy. And so really just to even ties it back to that, that my, the third insight is really talking about entering into God's holy presence is not something that's, um, that just can happen, right? It's not something that, you know, we can just flippantly, as we pray, it's like, God, um, I'm here, you know, hello, how are you doing? And just being like, you know, buds, best buds, right? That God is holy. And so, really, the only way that we could enter into God's presence is because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, right? Because Jesus, who, you know, was God, God's son, died on that cross, resurrected, is because because of that we can enter into God's presence. And here in Hebrews uh, chapter 10, 19 through 20, talks about this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the current, that is, his body. And so as we pray these words, hallowed be your name, we are reminded that the only way we can really enter into God's presence is be, uh, because God is holy is through the blood of Jesus. And I think, uh, really, I just wanted to spend a moment here to really think about that, that I think all of us, you know, whether we believe or not, have heard this message so many times, right? Like, put your faith in Jesus and you will be saved. This idea that Jesus' blood covers us. But I think it's important that we are reminded of this, especially for those of us who believe, because life actually changes, and belief changes. And I think sometimes we don't talk about that as much here up on the pulpit, because we're always talking about, well, what should we believe? But I think there is this aspect of, as we walk in life, our belief changes. And that's why we need to be reminded of these truths, and see how these truths that we did believe, how they interact and how they integrate today with what is how life has changed for us today. Right? You know, and if we don't actively reflect on what we believe when change happens, then we can get stuck in trying to hang on to old beliefs that don't account for what happens. And even as I was like reflecting on this, I think this is true of me and I feel like it's true of all, a lot of us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Sometimes we, we get stuck we, we wonder why we're not doing spiritually well. And I, I feel like the reason why is because life is changing. Like we, we get married, we have kids, uh, we get laid off. All these things happen. And then we try to hang on to these old beliefs that we had in college or, or post-college that retreat. And we never really think about how this old belief, how this truth that God, Jesus died for us, how that integrates today with what is happening. When when. Uh, you know, our parents pass away, or, or when something tragic happens, how does my belief that, of that truth integrate with what is happening today? And I think this is something that just weighs on my heart. And even as I've been reading uh, through my daily Bible reading through, through Job, it is really interesting. This kind of stuck out to me even as I was reading Job. And for those of they that are familiar with Job, Job is... Uh, a guy in, in the Old Testament, he has this whole book, and he's this guy that was blameless and you know upright in God's sight. And then one day, God decides to allow Satan to take everything away from him, take you know his his sheep and his goats, 
his land, his money, his health, and even his kids. God allows Satan to take all that away from him. And then three friends come to him, and they you know, try to console him, and they spend time with him. And seven days, they don't even say anything. But then the whole rest of the book is about his friends kind of debating with Job what, what, what really happened. And, and Job is there telling his friends that he's blameless, like he didn't do anything to deserve this. And he wants to face God directly. But his friends keep telling him, something must have gone wrong for this to happen to you. And what really struck out to me is that his friends are so caught up in this belief that they have that God is just. And so whatever happens, even to their friend Job, somehow ties in with God's justice. And so they're so hung up on this old belief that they don't see what Job is going through and how Job is trying to process what is happening to him. And so this is why prayer is so important. Because God gives us a way to struggle with what is going on in our lives right now. And I I don't know everything that's going on in your lives, but I know that life is hard. Life is hard. And we struggle. And really, if we're struggling with old beliefs, I, I, I feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice. That God gives us a way to struggle with him and, and really come to him and say, God, I, I, in my head I know this to be true, but I just don't see this in my life right now. And God is asking us that we can go to him and struggle with him in prayer. And so this is what it means as we pray, God, hallowed be thy name, that God, rather than just us giving up, that God is to be honored as holy and for us that we can struggle with him and honor him in that way, that we can struggle with him even through our pain and suffering. So I'd just like to finish uh, with this thought. Prayer is hard. (laughs) Not very earth-shattering, but I just wanted to kind of say that out loud. Prayer is hard. And um, and a friend of mine recently, you know, he we were going through this uh, talking about prayer, and he, and he also mentioned that. And I think it really struck me as I was uh, we were talking about this as he was kind of teaching about how hard prayer is. That there is no such thing as an easy prayer life. And you know, for those of us that maybe might think that. I just wanted to challenge you that maybe we're then only scratching the surface of what it means to pray. And so even though prayer is hard, I just wanted to encourage us that it's, we can persevere in prayer. That prayer is essential for us to have a deep relationship with God and that, that it's okay to struggle because, because of how hard prayer is. And so just to finish up, I wanted to share from this parable that Jesus shares in Luke 18. I'll read that for us. Um, Can we go to the next slide? Okay. So this is from Luke 18, 1 through 8. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. 
For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So I just wanted to share this with you because, you know, sometimes we read this parable and, and as we, even as I encourage us to persevere, sometimes we think it's just all about gritting our teeth and kind of just bearing through it. But I think, I think what's interesting thing here is in this parable, you know, Jesus is making a contrast between this unjust judge and who God is. He says, and will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? And I think this is just, it just the, the praise song that we last sang, a great is thy, you know, his faithfulness, right? And there's this, this idea that, that God is faithful always. And because of that truth, we can persevere in prayer even when it doesn't feel like anything is changing, even when life still stinks, God is faithful. And we can always go to him and pray. And I believe that God, in time, in his timing, in his ways, would be able to change us, to be able to see how faithful he truly is. And maybe he might not change our circumstances, but he would give us the strength and endurance to last another day. Let's pray. Father, I just, um, yeah, even as we now spend some time to reflect upon uh, the Lord's Prayer, your, your prayer, God, I just I ask that for all of us here, that even as we think about these things and as we uh, think about um, you as our Father, and the ways that you are holy and how we can enter into your presence. I, I, just, I just ask that, God, that you would, even right now, um, remind us again of your love for us, that you truly love us. And this is not just words, and um, it's not just emotion, but there is a, a deepness, a richness to your love for us. And so, God, just pray that even in this time as we spend before you, that you would... Grant us just a glimpse of your love for us uh, so that we may be able to come to you in our weakness, in our frailty, in our sin, and trust that you are faithful. And because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we would be able to come before you and be in your presence embraced by you. Pray this in your son's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.